Welcome to Cinema Chop Shop. Watch, chop, retrofit. So I've mentioned this to you before, Sean. I think that uh, drivers in general have gotten worse post-pandemic. Okay. Like if you were already a bad driver before the pandemic, now staying inside for a year has made you even worse. I know that this week alone, I narrowly avoided at least three major accidents. I believe it. At least one of which I know I did not cause. (laughs) But this is not a DMV podcast. Welcome to season 10, episode five of Cinema Chop Shop. This is a movie podcast that concedes that remakes are going to happen. So why shouldn't movie buffs like us decide who is recast in those iconic roles? My name is Travis Switch. Uh Uh-huh. Kramer Traverses Kramer. Yep. Travis Stir Crazy. There you go. All right. Uh, and I'm joined here in the shop by my co-host and co-producer, Amara Sean Dreamer, a.k.a. me, my Sean, and I, a.k.a. Poltergeist 2, the other Sean. <laughs> and uh, she's unable to join us this evening, but the Chop Shop regulator's nicknames would have been Joe Beth Chelliams, a.k.a. Chelcom Home, a.k.a. The Big Chell. <laughs> Further description of the show, the tagline says, watch Chop Retrofit, because essentially that's what we do here. We watch older movies, sometimes they're classic films with iconic actors, and then we retrofit them by tweaking the design with new parts. Quick disclaimer, though, we're not actually in favor of said remake, reboot, sequel-dependent cinematic culture. Chill out with that shit. This is more of an exercise in satire and irony. We try to be funny. And sometimes we succeed. All right, that's going to bring us into our first segment, which is going to be movie news. And it has been a couple weeks since we've done movie news, since last week's episode was a watch party. (laughs) I mean, a really good one. Um, (laughs) But uh, this is where throughout the time between episodes proper, we pay attention to stories that pertain to the world of cinema and stuff that we like to talk about on this show, correct? Yes. And unfortunately, we do have a couple of big RIPs. First is uh, legendary uh, composer slash lyricist Stephen Sondheim. Yeah, that's a huge one. Uh, Titan of the American musical is dead at 91. He was theater's most revered and influential composer slash lyricist of the last half of the 20th century and the driving force behind some of Broadway's most beloved and celebrated shows. And that comes to us from the New York Times. Once again, rest in peace and rest in power to Stephen Sondheim. (laughs) Also, rest in peace and rest in power to famed Australian indigenous actor David Gulpilil. G-U-L-P-I-L-I-L. He's died at the age of 68 and he uh, died of lung cancer, unfortunately. Australia's most acclaimed indigenous actor. And also a government leader. Oh, a government leader said Monday that he died at the age of 68. Sorry. Yeah, he was in Crocodile Dundee. Uh, He was. And um, I thought that he might have been in Quigley Down Under, but that was a different dude. He was in Australia, Mm -hmm. literally, and in the film. The film Australia. And he was he was in a, a, one of the that doesn't come to mind. But if you see the guy's face, you're like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, that that guy. That's him. And so once again, rest in peace and rest in power to him. On a lighter note, Matthew McConaughey says he will not run for Texas governor at this time. 
with about two weeks before the candidate filing deadline for the Texas primary, the actor said a run for office is, quote, a path that I'm choosing not to take at this moment. I think he's stepping aside for Beto. Do you? Yeah. That's not a joke. Okay, good, good. Um, Okay, so that comes to us from the New York Times as well. Uh, Next, Gorillaz is getting a feature film at Netflix. I'm really excited about this. I I think that uh, their work tends to be visually interesting uh, as much as it is fun to listen to. So I think that it should be an interesting uh, trip. Uh, Do you want to know how I feel about it? How? I'm happy, <laughs> not feeling bad. I heard that the production company is Feel Good Inc. Um, they've been one of the <laughs> coolest animated bands for more than 20 years with seven studio albums, a web series, and a crossover with the Powerpuff Girls. Now Gorillaz is getting a movie. The animated avatars who represent the real-life band have a complicated history that superfans have tracked from their self-titled debut, but the movie will expand their story into a feature-length narrative. And I'm excited about that as well. That comes to us from SlashFilm.com. Uh, next, you've got a good tagline for this headline. I'll read you the headline and then you give me the tagline. <laughs> Zorro 2.0 will reboot the classic character as a hacker. Subnet mask of Zorro. That's right. Uh, remember Zorro? He's back in hacker form. Or at least that's the plan. Alex Rivera, Rivera has been tapped by... Sabini Films to write and direct Zorro 2.0. That's the legit working title, which reimagines the famous swashbuckling character as a modern day hacker. And that's from, once again, Slash Film. And our final story for movie news this week is a big one. Nicolas Cage is going to play Count Dracula in Universal's Renfield film. (laughs) Nicolas Cage joins the long list of actors to play Count Dracula, boarding Universal Pictures' Renfield opposite Nicholas Holt. And that's from comicbookreview.com. Any thoughts on that story? (laughs) I can't wait. I don't think it's going to be insane. Uh, Didn't he play a vampire once a long, long time ago in his... Yeah, like Once Bitten. Once Bitten, something like that. All right, that, that is going to wrap us up on movie news for this week. Do you hear a phone ringing? That must mean it's time for the Department of Corrections Department with Chief Corrections Officer Dana. Lexington Queen and Dana Day. You're goddamn right, I loved it. Harlan Thrombey from Knives Out was played by Christopher Plummer. Kung Fu, the TV show, existed first. I'm paraphrasing from Wikipedia, but in the early 70s, writer Steve Englehart and artist Jim Starlin approached DC to adapt the series into a comic book. DC wasn't interested, so they went to Marvel. Marvel agreed as long as they would include Dr. Fu Manchu as a character, since Marvel already had the rights to that character. Englehart and Starlin agreed, and Shang-Chi was created as a previously unknown son of Fu Manchu. The Fugitive actually had two reboots, a short-lived one on CBS from 2000, starring Tim Daly as Kimball, and an even shorter-lived one on Quibi from 2020, starring Kentucky native Boyd Holbrook as Kimball. That's all for this week. See you two when your attorney's finished re-examining the evidence. All right. Thank you, Dana, for that. And we actually have a correction of our own. 
Sean? Yes. Uh, happy belated birthday to Dana. Happy birthday. Her birthday fell on Thanksgiving this year. Oh, wow. So we could have mentioned it on the watch party, but we other, you know, we had other things to, to deal Very with. Very pressing matters. But yes, uh, once again, thank you uh, for all the things that you do, Dana. We really appreciate it. And happy birthday. All right. That brings us to the theme of the episode. If you did not... Make yourselves fully aware from our awesome nicknames. (laughs) We're talking about the films of Jo Beth Williams because her birthday is when this goes kerplunk on December 6th. And she was born on that date in 1948. And Sean, she is a, would you say that you're a Jo Beth fanboy? I think so. Yeah. If there is such a thing, I would be the one. What can you tell us about your um, affinity for her? Well, I mean, Joe Beth Williams was around a lot in the late 70s, throughout the 80s and the early 90s as kind of a mom type mm-hmm. character. And she never really registered for me until I saw Kramer versus Kramer uh-huh. as an adult. The full frontal When scene. she does the full frontal. Which, and... is, which is probably a good time to check in that beer you're drinking over there. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're drinking Bush Light. Bush Light in honor of Joe Beth Williams' performance in Kramer versus Kramer. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that definitely got my attention. Uh-huh. I'm not ashamed to admit. But uh, in going back and watching her other films... Uh, she is like, you know, the quintessential MILF in that regard. I think that uh, at least in the middle chapter of her career, that's yeah. true. But early on, I think that she was kind of being marketed as like a girl next door. Right. Um, right. When she was in her her real sweet spot with her yes. career, uh, total mom type. But uh, she always flashed just enough leg, you know, and she had great legs. Yeah. Still does, I guess. But um, she's a she's a hottie. All right. And she's a great actress. Don't, I mean, I, I don't want a great to, actress. Yeah. Um, speaking of, she rose to prominence after appearing in films such as Stir Crazy in 1980, Poltergeist in 1982, The Big Chill in 1983, The Day After in 1983 as well, Teachers in 1984. I think that's with Nick Nolte, right? Yeah. And I think she, I don't know if she got, she, it was implied that she was naked in that movie. I okay. don't know if she showed anything or not. I haven't seen it. Um, and then also Poltergeist 2, The Other Sean. And she's also a three-time Emmy Award nominee, nominated for Outstanding Lead Actress in a Miniseries or a Movie for her work on the TV movie Adam mm-hmm. and the TV miniseries Baby M. Her third nomination was for her guest role in the sitcom Frasier. Starring Brendan Fraser. <laughs> she also starred in the TV series The Client and had a recurring role in the TV series Dexter in 2007 and Private Practice from 2009 to 2011. Yeah, and she's still working. She is. Uh, she's had quite the career, a lot of longevity in that. And I think she's a good topic for an episode this week. What do you think? I think so. All right, so we're going to go next with the segment known as the Midnight Double Feature. And this is where each of us on the panel take two films that we have pre-selected that we feel are at least in some way representative of our topic at hand for the week and that might relate to each other enough to warrant a double feature. And would you like to give me yours first, sir? Sure. I'm going to go with two films in which uh, Joe Beth plays characters with mental issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, of the comedy slant. <laughs> okay, good. I'm going to start with the more recent one. This is from 1992. It's called Me, Myself, and I. Reen. No. Me, okay. Myself, and I. And it stars uh, Joe Beth Williams and the mo- uh, recently de- departed uh, George Siegel. Okay. 
and it's directed. It was the directorial debut of uh, Cuban American graphic designer Pablo Ferro. Okay, I'm All not right. familiar with him. Pablo Ferro designed the opening credits for Doctor Strangelove. Oh wow! Yeah, you can look him up. He's done a lot of production work, and this was kind of his uh, directorial debut. And it's an indie flick. Interesting. And it's 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 a really strange film. It's about a successful New York writer who falls for a woman with schizophrenia. She's, okay, I she, was gonna I was okay. gonna ask if it was like multiple personalities. Oh, yeah. She's his next door neighbor. And uh, she has several personalities. Not all of them are desirable. There is a, a really loopy, crazy one that's the most prominent. Prominent. There is a uh, seductive one. I think I sent you a screen grab of that yep. one. Yep. Um, and then there is a more buttoned down, down to earth. Uh, comes across as sane. So anyway, so they kind of forge a romance through this really silly, silly madcap comedy. Uh, also worth noting, uh, George Siegel. Uh, kind of entertains a 14 year old girl who lives upstairs from them. Her character's name is jailbait. That's her, her last name or her first no, name. That's her character's name. <laughs> jailbait. Uh, incidentally, she plays the jailbait in Billy Idol's rock, the cradle of love music video. Oh, okay. So she was typecast. Yeah, very much so. And then she went on to do some Skinamax type films. Now for a second, I was going to ask <clears throat> you if the Farrelly brothers movie is a parody of this. No, I don't think so. Or it's just kind of a take on that. Totally saying, unrelated. Totally that unrelated. saying me, myself yeah. and I. Yeah. Uh, Joe Beth shows plenty of skin. It's all PG though. Uh -huh. um, she dons many outlandish costumes. Uh, not a good movie. Just it, it's silly. Fair. But I'm pairing this with 1984's film uh, American Dreamer. Okay. This is directed by uh, Rick Rosenthal, who directed Halloween 2. Okay. Among a lot of other um, television type work, uh, starring Joe Beth Williams and Tom Conti, uh, frustrated housewife slash aspiring writer Kathy Palmer. She enters a writing contest sponsored by the publisher of the Rebecca Ryan mystery novels. Okay, good. And she envisions herself being Rebecca Ryan in the opening scene of the film. She wins the contest. She wins a uh, trip to Paris. All expenses paid. Sweet. Her bastard misogynist husband does not want to go with her. He says, oh, put it off. We'll, we'll, we'll go ourselves in a couple of years. It's a free trip. And she basically says, go fuck yourself. And she goes by she herself. She goes anyway. Good. When she's there, uh, just arrived, she's supposed to be catching a, a limo to the group meet and greet type event and gets hit by a car and you know typical trope bops her head loses her memory amnesia when she, when she comes to she thinks she is the murder mystery character rebecca, rebecca ryan, ryan. The, the the investigator so she's playing out this role in paris and her personality completely cool. changes i like it much craziness ensues. She meets the writer of the Rebecca Ryan books. She thwarts real international spies. She busts up a drug ring. She commits adultery and eventually gets her memory back. <laughs> uh, I love it. And I think that uh, comedic insanity is the best kind of insanity. Uh, this one's not great either, yeah. but it is better than the first one. I just thought it'd be interesting to see some of her comedic work. Well, speaking of crazy, my first movie is called Stir Crazy from 1980. Saw it in the theater. Directed by, unbelievably, Sidney Poitier. <laughs> I did not know this. Uh, it's got a 67% on Rotten Tomatoes. The tagline, two jailbirds who just want out of the cage. Uh, of course, starring Richard Pryor and Gene Wilder. 
Uh, New Yorkers Skip Donahue and Harry Monroe have no jobs and no prospects, so they decide to flee the city and find work elsewhere, landing jobs wearing woodpecker costumes <laughs> to promote the opening of a bank. When their feathery costumes are stolen and used in a bank robbery, they no longer have to worry about employment. They're sent to prison. With a jailbreak offering them their only way out, the despondent duo rack their brains to figure out a foolproof plan. Fortuitously, one of them discovers an unexpected talent as a rodeo rider, and an escape plan begins to take shape at the annual Prisoner's Rodeo. Whoa, 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 whoa. There's a Prisoner's Rodeo? Yeah, of course. This is where you rope the prisoners. (laughs) Don't they all? So how does Jo Beth figure into this? I'm pretty sure that she's the warden. At the prison, yeah. What? And then I'm pairing that with Stop or My Mom Will Shoot from 1992, directed by the incredibly named Roger Spottiswood. <laughs> it's got an 11% on Rotten That's Tomatoes. Sylvester Stallone. And Estelle Getty. Estelle Getty. Yes. A tough police sergeant's mother. Oh, wait, the tagline. She did the laundry and washed the dishes. Now she's cleaning up the streets. <laughs> <laughs> a tough police sergeant's mother comes to visit him, and the mother's played by Estelle Getty, who people would know from Golden Girls. It's a testament to the popularity of Golden Girls that yes. they gave her this movie. Yes. And it's also kind of funny if you think about it, because Estelle Getty was playing the oldest Golden Girl, but she was one of the youngest of right. the women on the yeah. show, right? A tough police sergeant, played by Cy Stallone, whose mother comes to visit him and promptly starts trying to fix up his life, much to his embarrassment. For his birthday, she buys him a machine gun out of the back of a van and begins to further interfere with his job and love life, eventually helping him with a case that he's on. And of course, Jo Beth Williams is the person who sells her the machine gun out of the back of a truck. Okay. That's going to be my double feature for this week. Also um, comedic, but... It brings in two of our recent themes, both the wrongfully accused theme and the buddy cop theme. <laughs> so that's the direction that I went. And that's going to wrap us up on the Midnight Double feature for this week. Bringing us to our feature segment, which is the recast. And this is where we take a pre-selected film that we have watched in advance. And we talk about it a little bit. And then we hypothetically recast a few of the lead roles with contemporary actors. And the first one is a movie that she's, I think, very well known for. Absolutely. Uh, This is probably one of the ones that pops up on Google or IMDb when you look up her name. It's Poltergeist. The house looks just like the one next to it. And the one next to that. And the one next to that. A young couple live in it. Give Ken a kiss. <laughs> you are so unlucky. With their three children. <laughs> and something more. Remember the last night? Do you remember when you woke up and you said you're here? Uh-huh. Well, who did you meet? Who's here? TV people. Something's funny going on here next door. Something, uh... We were wondering if maybe you had experienced any disturbances lately. A 
What kind of disturbances? From 1982, directed by Toby Hooper, and it's got an 86% on Rotten Tomatoes. Now, remind me, what else did Toby Hooper do? Oh, why are you asking me that? I, I you looked at me when I said his name, and I, I recognize the name as well. But he's, he's it's a well-known Tobe. In is it Tobe? No, I'm just oh, it's spelled okay. Tobe, but it's T O B E. It's, it's, it's Toby. Your name. Your name is Toby. <laughs> Uh, give me a second and I'll call him up here. While you are, uh, strange and creepy happenings beset an average California family, the Freelings. Steve, played by Craig T. Nelson. Diane, played by Joe Beth Williams. Teenage Dana, Dana, played by Dominique Dunn. Dominique? Dominique Dunn. Eight-year-old Robbie, played by Oliver Robbins. And five-year-old Carol Ann, played by Heather O'Rourke. Who Carol Ann! Tra- who tragically died, like, within a year after this movie. She died very young. After two. Two years? Yeah, no. Oh, after Poltergeist, Pol- Poltergeist two. two. Uh, by the way, Toby Hooper, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. There you go. And two... Um, as well as a few other films, but yeah. Gotcha. Shame on us for not having shame top of mind. for shame. <laughs> Considering that there's the poster right there. Right there. Oh, it says his name on it. <laughs> when ghosts commune with them through their television set, initially friendly and playful, the spirits turn unexpectedly menacing. And when Carol Ann goes missing, Steve and Diane turn to a parapsychologist and eventually an exorcist for help. I love this movie. I do as well, and I watched it when I was very young. It scared the bejesus out of me when I was a kid. I was two when it came out, but I probably watched it when I was closer to six on home video. Man. Yeah, super scary. The the voices from inside the TV just I also was a little bit turned on by Joe Beth Williams on her and her flailing on the bed. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh you know the, the one that sticks out for me the 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 gag um of the uh parapsychologist when uh-huh. he's staring into the mirror and his he starts picking at his face and it just starts sloughing off all yeah. the skin. Creepy as hell. Like a badass I mean, trip. Yeah, some of the bits are just really insane. All right, so we've got uh, the roles of Diane Freeling, played by Joe Beth Williams. We've got the role of Stephen Freeling, played by Craig T. Nelson. We've got the role of Carol Ann, played by Heather O'Rourke. And then we've got the role of Tangina, Tangina Barons. <laughs> Maybe Tangina? Tangina Barons, played by <laughs> Zelda Rubenstein. Zelda Rubenstein. They should have just used her real name. Uh, yeah, that would have been probably just fine. And who is going to be your recast of Diane Freeling? 
Well, considering that Joe Beth is just a dream and mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> she was 34 at the time, I went with a 35-year-old actress who is also a dream. Okay. And she could do with some better roles. Um, you would know for her from uh, Percy Jackson, uh, the Texas Chainsaw 3D rebooty thing. Oh, Toby Hooper. Uh, she was in Baywatch. Uh, she was in uh, the TV series The Girlfriend Experience. Uh-huh. I went with Alexandra Daddario. Yeah. With two D's for a double D. You'll find there are three D's in that name. For a triple dose of her pimpin'. <laughs> My pick is somebody that I wasn't super familiar with. She is 34 now, uh, and she's in a movie called Remedy. She was in two TV shows, The Vampire Diaries and Series of Unfortunate Events. Her name is Sarah Canning. Sarah Canning. Yeah, yeah. And I was just trying to go with that kind of, you know, wholesome mom vibe yeah woman next door i did not (laughs) well actually she can play wholesome alexandra is quite good next we've got coach craig t nelson playing stephen freeling he was 38 at the time who'd you go with for this all right so i totally like departed from the coach Mm -hmm. mentality because craig t nelson is always going to be coach always but i wanted a, a um kind of a dead panty type actor who set against this obscenely supernatural kind of background. Um, but playing the dad would be completely thrown out of his depth. I went with a uh, 39 year old actor. He was in uh, coming to coming to America with a two with the number two, how to be single. Uh, he was a voice in the Tom and Jerry movie, but you'd know him from his weekly anchoring of Saturday Night Live's Weekend Update. I went with Colin Jost. Okay. Man, there, there's another Colin who hosted Weekend Update that would not have been good in this. Oh, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Colin Jost, that's good. I like it. My Stephen Freeling is 38 now. He was in The Princess Diaries, another diary movie. Not that that's a theme at all. Uh, World's Fastest Indian with uh, Anthony Hopkins. Yeah, I remember that movie. And then Footloose, the 2011 remake. His name is Patrick John Fluger. Patrick John Fluger. Fluger. Okay. So when I was a kid, it was like beyond my comprehension that the TV show Coach was not a spinoff of Cheers. Because of the character coach. <laughs> and I thought for sure that uh, like Van a... Dyke's character, uh, not Dick Van Dyke, but his brother, yeah, yeah, Jerry yeah. Van Dyke, <laughs> I was sure that that was coach from Cheers. <laughs> I love it. Oh, and it made so much sense to me. And people were like, no, no, <laughs> no, that's not, that's not how this works. Okay. So my, uh, oh, our next role is Carol Ann. The young daughter who gets uh, sucked into the TV. And it's kind of a metaphor for the overdependence on media, right? Oh, totally. She was seven years old at the time. And it's always a complicated task coming up with young recasts for these things, right? It's probably the toughest thing to do. Right. And I feel for any casting director who has to make stars out of children, Mm -hmm. uh, just... It has to be a soul-sucking job. Yeah, and there's also a layer of creepiness to it. Totally. And then you have to deal with the the helicopter the parents. parents. Yeah. yeah. What do you got? Oh, I was an 11-year-old actress. 
Um, she was in uh, the most recent thing on Amazon, uh, The Tomorrow War. Oh, I've seen that. Yeah, she played the young uh, Muri Forrester. Opposite Pratty Pratt Pratt Pratt. Pratty Pratt 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 Pratt. She's going to be in a couple of films coming up, uh, The Old Way and Firestarter. Oh, okay. Which I don't know if that is a reboot of Firestarter. Or a reboot of the Prodigy video. <laughs> Twisted Firestarter. Firestarter! Yeah. Uh, but she was also in American Horror Story's most recent thing, the double feature deal that they I did. haven't seen that yet. Have you seen any I of it? I have not. Uh, but her name is Ryan Kira Armstrong. Ryan Kira Armstrong. Okay. Well, my pick is Seven Now as well, at least according to my um, thorough research. And she is in a movie called The Letter, Time for Sunset, and The Genie Academy. But she's also been fan cast to play Jean Benet Ramsey. And her name is Miriam Spumpkin. <laughs> what? I know. It's a very unfortunate name. Oh, she's cute. Yeah, yeah. Miriam Spumpkin. Spumpkin. Yep. I'd change that. I would too. <laughs> to Pumpkin. <laughs> just drop an S. I'm David S. Pumpkins. <laughs> yes. Oh, just make S the middle name. Miriam S. Pumpkin. Any questions? <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Next up, we've got Tangina. Ten. <laughs> Ten China Barons, the Exorcist. Correct. Yes. She's not the parapsychologist. She's the Exorcist. Right. Uh, is is she the one whose famous line, "This house is clean." Yes. All right. And of course, she's also in Sixteen Candles. She was the organist at the wedding. Okay. And she's like walking along, teetering with like her little flask. You can hear it swishing. Nice. It's great. All right. So uh, Zelda Rubenstein was 49 at the time in this role. Who did you pick? Um, I had her at 55 for some oh, that reason. Could be, that could be totally right. But this is both of our favorite recasts of the episode. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm very excited. This actress is 56. Mm -hmm. She plays much younger than that, but she is very creepy. Uh, she was in um, the most recent Star Wars, uh, the trilogy, mm -hmm. the, the the final three chapters, 24-hour uh, party people. Remember that movie? Kind of. Uh, she was in Miss Pettigrew Lives for a Day, and everyone would know her from Harry Potter as Moaning Myrtle. I went with Shirley Henderson. Okay. Gotcha. All right, well, my actor is 66 now. He was in Ski Patrol, Jason Goes to Hell, and The Help. His name is Leslie Jordan. Oh, my God, that's perfect. Isn't that good? What are y'all doing? Screwing? I love it. I think it would be really good. That's fucking fantastic, and Chelsea should just, she's going to just. She's going to regret not being she's here. She's going to regret that. not being here, absolutely. All right, so final thoughts on Poltergeist. Uh, <laughs> go see it. They they did remake this, didn't they? They did with uh, with Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell. Sam and Rocks. It, it was a very bad remake. Yeah, it had no even, soul. As, even for a remake, it was a bad one. There, there was no soul to it. Mm -hmm. it, it had nothing. Uh, it was just. It was empty. That um, best scene in the movie. The very end when Coach throws the TV out of the motel room. Oh yeah, because <laughs> they got to go stay at a motel room now. Yep, he throws. He's like, "Get the shit out of here!" And just Absolutely. litters in the alleyway. All right, so with that, we are going to head into intermission. 
but not before we say let's all go to the lobby let's all go to the lobby let's all go to the lobby and get ourselves some cheesecake and a big bowl of chili Big chill. It's the big chill. <laughs> and for those of you just tuning in, you're listening to the Chop Shop Morning Zoo on WCCS 85.5 FM. The Shop with Travisito, the Brew Boss. And me, Chelsea, the Regulator. Well, we'll be breaking down the recast of your precious childhood movies. All, All morning, morning long. <laughs> and if you can't listen on your toilet or in your car... Just search for Cinema Chop Shop on Podbean.com. And it came to pass that the Lord Pod saith unto the Chop Shoppers to go forth, to rate, to review, and to subscribe to Cinema Chop Shop on all of your social media and your podcaster apps. Now it's about time for the Holy Sacrament of a Beer Check-In. You too can follow the path to Cinema Chop Shop on Untapped. That's U-N-T-A-P-P-D. Everyone, hallelujah. hallelujah! Praise Jesus! Amen. Well, hello there, all you naughty chop shoppers. So, you like to listen? Oh, you're bad. Wouldn't you also love to see all of our hot pictures and posts on our very own social media? Just search for Cinema Chop Shop on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram if you think you can handle it. This weekend on CCS Wrestling. Woo! If you miss this event, you suck! Woo! It'll be the ultimate recasting extravaganza you have ever seen. Between the challenger... Trontastic Ron! I'm gonna rip his face off! Woo! And the defending champ... Little Thanos! You ain't got nothing, brother! I can't stop saying woo! It's an actual medical condition! So if you've got a problem with that, we'll see you in Gmail where you can send us comments, corrections, concerns, and complaints. That's cinemachopshop at gmail.com. Do you need a used movie? Good credit, bad credit, no credit, no problem. Come on down to Wacky Trav's Cinema Chop Shop Blowout Sale. He's He's out out of of his mind. mind. Where we can guarantee you, you'll go home happy. Social security number, criminal background check, and blood sample required. Side effects may include euphoria, hallucinations, and delusions of grandeur. So please remember to watch Chop Retrofit. And we are back. Thank you, Chop Shoppers, for bearing with us during intermission. And when we come back from intermission, what do we like to do, Sean? Beer check-ins. And I've got a non-theme beer. It's from Polly's Island Brewing Company right here in South Carolina. And it is a New England-style India pale ale called One for the Gods. And if you want to take a gander at that label art there, in, subtly in the background, there's kind of a... Um, profile of, I guess, what God looks like. Oh, cool. And on the back it says, 
One for the gods? Which gods, you ask? This beer was specifically designed with Greek and Roman mythology in mind, but hopefully this IPA shines bright enough that all the gods smile upon us. <laughs> Healthy editions of Victoria, the goddess of victory, Calypso, a deceiving nymph, Hercules, close enough, and Zeus, the king of the gods, throughout the boil. Whirlpool and two rounds of dry hopping give this beer an intense fruit-forward hop character. Loads of hop oil, oat malt, oat flakes, and wheat flakes give this beer a hazy glow as if Zeus himself were trying to escape your glass. Well, that did not sell me on that beer. There was a <laughs> lot of ingredients they listed there. And they went into the whole brewing process and... A year later, we get to open the can. Yeah, let's see. <laughs> oh. Oh. Oh, 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 oh. That's not good. That's terrible. How did they do that? Oh, man. I, I'm I'm tempted to even wonder if there's an infection in this beer. I get a lot of like, um, what's the word? Uric acid? Yeah. Like a turpentine kind oh, of thing going on. Boy. Sorry. Ooh. Well, I'm going to drink my bush light. Yeah, it's an improvement. Do you want some of that? Yeah, could I have one? <laughs> <laughs> Once again, Joe Beth's Bush comes to the rescue. All right, next up, we've got the 2021 Movie Marathon. And as of this recording, it is the 337th day of the year. You've already crossed the finish line, and you're still going on that victory lap. Yeah, I'm on 369. Three, all right. All right. <laughs> and I'm on 340 or 341, somewhere right about there. Oh, you're, I, you're right there at pissing distance. I watched uh, our next movie and then went to check it in, and it was, Letterboxd was like, oh, yeah, you watched this movie in 2017. Ooh, I was like, damn <laughs> But it's on me for not remembering that I watched it. I've done uh, that so many times. Yes. I'll start watching a movie. I'm like, wait, a wait, minute. when you watch as many movies as we do, yeah. it's bound to happen. Yep. All right. So all of that being said, what is your first check-in for this week, Sean? All right. So hot on the heels of our conversation about Poltergeist, I'm checking in Poltergeist 2, the other side. Okay. The other Sean. The other Sean. I knew about the old man. I knew that the old man was creepy, but I really didn't know a whole hell of a lot about the sequel. Okay. I don't know that I've even seen the sequel. It's a it's a hour and a half mm -hmm. on the nose, and it is not good. Okay. Uh, other than the creepy preacher man and Joe Beth's hot as fuck milf vibes, <laughs> there isn't much else worth watching in this lackluster sequel. But you did tell me that you oh I made came a re to the I, realization. Okay. So imagine if you will an alternate universe where the Poltergeist reboot with Sam Rockwell was actually good. Okay. And people loved it and they wanted the sequel. And the old creepy man was recast with Walton Goggins. Walton Goggins. And you said the voice quality. The right? voice of the old man matches up with Walton Goggins' Perfectly. voice and delivery. And I, that got me excited about this movie where there was really very little else to be excited. You started about. closing your eyes and listening to the Yeah, movie. yeah. I just kept picturing like Walton Goggins wearing old man makeup, being a creepy ass That's awesome, man. preacher. But yeah, oh, it, I can see it. It's a piece of crap. It's on HBO uh, Go if you want to watch it or HBO Max, whatever it's called. All right. My next check-in or my first check-in for this week is going to be number 335. It's called South Park Post-COVID. 
from 2021. Spoilers if you haven't seen this, and I, they give it away very quickly. The premise is that the pandemic lasted for decades. Yes. And the boys have scattered. They've gone their separate ways and lived their lives uh, isolated from the world and each other. But they must uh, reconnect and work together to find out who killed Kenny. <laughs> I thought it was great. I thought uh, it was totally fresh. They're... Social commentary is still very biting. Yep. And they still have enough material in this crazy fucked up world to make really good satire. And I think I, I haven't seen it announced that they're going to do a sequel to this, but they have to. They they would have to. Because Cartman's obviously doing a long con. It is also. Um, yeah, that's messed up. Yeah. Uh, I think it's also a little bit of a sequel to their vaccination special. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So I thought it was great. Well done, Trey and Matt. Yeah, I thought it was good. Well worth checking in. What do you got next? I'm going to check in Passing. Okay, Passing. Passing, this it came out this year. It's on Netflix. So it stars Tessa Thompson and Ruth Nega, N-E-G-G-A. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. And um, well, thank you for clarifying. Yes. Alexander Skarsgård. Uh-huh. It's set in the 20s when... African-Americans in New York, uh, most of them lived in Harlem. If you were light-skinned enough, you could what's pass. called pass as mm -hmm. a white person. Well, Ruth's character, which you would know her from the TV series Preacher. Mm -hmm. I often pass as a white person. Uh, I always do, and not by choice. And she does pass, and she marries Alexander Skarsgård's character. So you have a Does he know? He does not know. Oh, yeah, he's very he's racist. Really passing, he, or she's really passing. Yeah, he he delivers a pretty shocking little bit of dialogue at Reveal. the beginning of the movie, but um, it's a compelling uh, premise. Like I, I was like, oh, this is great. I love Tessa Thompson. Yeah. Ruth, Ruth Nega is great. I love the idea of passing. And there's a lot of high stakes involved. The movie is a slog because the focus is about the subtext about. Ruth hanging out with Tessa and her husband and maybe she's screwing the husband and mm. Tessa has her suspicions. And it's like, I don't give a flying fuck about this. Let's so they, get into the, the name of the film they, passing. They missed the point of the message. It comes back around full circle at the very end of the movie, mm -hmm. but you've got this huge chunk in the middle that is all subtext and it's bullshit. So, um, opportunity missed. I hear you. Um, also for, all of our aspiring point guards out there. Passing. It's the name of the game. All right. My next one is going to be number 337. It is The Last Duel. The Last Duel. And it's a true story about the last uh, jousting duel that was ever held in, like, legit duel for, like, battle to the death in France. What really impressed me with the movie was the structure of the storytelling from three different perspectives. They use it like a Rashomon approach. Okay. And so, um, spoiler alert, there is a rape that happens in this movie. And the story is told, as I said, in three vignettes from the perspective of the rapist, the raped, and the raped person's husband okay so it's totally rashomon yes okay. and very very good okay. i liked it a lot um it's directed by ridley scott so you've got that mm -hmm. kind of gladiator feel with the action sequences but you also have a lot of dramatic setup um it does star ben affleck 
Matt Damon, Adam Driver, and the girl, she's somewhat new. I, I can't remember her name, but she's very good. Um, but the real question is, how was Matt Damon's mullet? It was good. In fact, I sent you a picture. Yes. Uh, and I don't normally think this, but in this particular role, Matt Damon looked a lot like you if you had a mullet. Which I've had a mullet <laughs> in my early teens. And so um, just for verification, I sent just the image, just that picture to Marco. And he said, Matt Damon, Sean. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> All right, what do you got next? All right, the last movie I'm going to check in is one that you, uh, me, and Marco watched uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, it was uh, New York Ninja. New York Ninja. This was a, um, what was this Saturday evening? It was a Saturday night, and mm -hmm. it was, uh, yeah, this is a movie that was filmed in 83, 84, mm -hmm. and it got shelved it basically. got shelved yeah and so somebody bought the footage and got the rights to the film the audio track was not was missing was missing corrupt. so they hired a lip reader to discern what the dialogue was and they had b-movie legends mm -hmm. come in and do the dialogue and um it's bad and also the <laughs> uh the main dude the new york ninja he is a taekwondo taekwondo movie legend and this was his first american feature right right totally it, it's it's a it's a disjointed mess um there the storyline doesn't make sense the, we're like taekwondo don't yeah exactly um there are scenes where they're they're surrounding him the the bad guys are surrounding the ninja they've got one of them has a gun pointed at him and yet they don't fire the gun and the next cut he's running away from them well you don't bring a gun to a ninja fight i guess not <laughs> it's awful but it's awful fun yeah i enjoyed it too that was a um a good time and i think that the most fun part was us just all kind of riffing on it oh totally yeah this was this was definitely if you're a mst 3k riff tracks cinematic titanic type person watch this movie you'll have a blast making fun of it yes. like we did. All right. I got one more and I, um, nearly eight hours later, I can say that I've finally seen the Beatles get back the documentary from Peter Jackson long awaited. It was originally intended as a feature film, but they split it into three parts and it tells the story of, the production of the Beatles' last album, which was uh, tentatively titled Get Back, and uh, leading into their final performance on the rooftop of Apple Studios with uh, the album that became Let It Be. You're looking at me. So they spent eight hours talking about this one chapter in the Beatles' yes, history? but it was gleaned down from like 160 oh hours of because they were originally supposed to be making a documentary back in 1970 and so there was hours and hours oh and hours goodness. of footage now here's a couple of my observations one it's cool to see the creative process with these guys who are musical geniuses uh but it's also kind of difficult to watch them figuring out these songs that we all know the end result of. And they're like trying to work with this, work with that. Uh, it, that was a little bit trying to watch. And then they'll just be sitting around. They'll be shooting the shit. And then Yoko Ono will like pop up from behind a PA and be like, <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I'm convinced that Yoko Ono is the Babadook. <laughs> she's scary as hell. Well, she did destroy the Beatles. Yes. All right. That's going to wrap us up on the 2021 movie marathon for this week. Bring us to the recast continued. Part two. The second chapter. Uh, this is a movie called The Day After. This was a made-for-TV movie. One five nine. President is presently in direct communication. Current world intelligence situation, and you might pay particular note to the nuclear submarines off the east and west coast. Having already captured NATO advanced positions. Hey, any of you guys hear anything about an alert? I really don't think either side wants to be the first to use a nuclear device. It's not a question of who, but where. East Germany sealed off the borders to West Berlin. I don't believe it's happening. We have a massive attack against the U.S. at this time. ICBMs. Over 300 missiles inbound now. Either we fired first and they're going to try to hit what's left. But they fired first and we just got our missiles out of the ground in time. from 1983 and you brought it to my attention that this is a remake of a movie that we almost recast before right right when we did our post-apocalyptic movies episode uh-huh. you had put on a film and i can't remember the title dana help us out with this one i can't remember it either it was, i tried to look it was today. produced by the bbc and it was horrific awful. it was hor- it was truly horrific it was gratuitous and it was in terrible terrible taste um chelsea and i watched it mm-hmm. And it was traumatic. Yeah. And and immediately we texted you and said, we can't do this. We can't do this movie. Yeah. It was a huge hit because Cold War. Yes. But yeah, it was, it was awful. And it inspired the American audience, the American movie makers to, to do their version. Right. And so this movie follows the same premise. It's set in a Kansas town Mm -hmm. and uh, nuclear Lawrence, Kansas, Lawrence, Kansas, nuclear attack hits. And this is about the survival in the nuclear winter, the aftermath. And it stops short of what the BBC version did, which got into birthing a child and how that child grows up living in the cold, the, the nuclear winter. Uh, so, so the, it, it's not nearly as scarring. Speaking of scarring, what did you think of the makeup? Um, not great. I, I know in they're the, going for that final act. Yeah. They're going for the chapped look and yeah. all that, but I, ugh, I didn't really, for the time, I guess they were doing what they could, I guess a lot of Elmer's glue, but you know, as I was watching it, uh, I was reminded, you know, in my, Preteen years. I mean, this was a very real fear and a real time. threat. Yeah, I mean, we 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 thought this was going to happen. Um, mutually ass- assured self destruction. Mutually assured destruction. Yes. yes. All right. So, quick uh, 
premise, in the mid-1980s, the U.S. is poised on the brink of nuclear war. The shadow looms over the residents of a small town in Kansas as they continue their daily lives. Dr. Russell Oakes, played by Jason Robards, maintains his busy schedule at the hospital. Dennis Dahlberg prepares for her upcoming wedding, and Stephen Klein, played by Stephen Gutenberg, is deep in his graduate studies. When the unthinkable happens and the bombs come down, the town's residents are thrust into the horrors of nuclear winter. And so the roles that we're going to recast, we had a little bit of a shuffling around of the roles because uh, the top build people aren't necessarily the most prominently featured people in the movie. Uh, But these are the roles that we're going to recast. We've got Dr. Russell Oates, played by Jason Robards, who was 61. We've got Nurse Nancy Bauer, played by Jo Beth Williams, who was 35. We've got Stephen Klein, played by Stephen Gutenberg. And then my last recast is going to be Joe Huxley, played by John Lithgow. And you're, that works for me. Yeah, you're you're going to do that? Make, All right, yeah, cool. I can make that work. Uh, who was 38 at the time. So, are we ready to recast it? Yeah. First, we've got Dr. Russell Oaks. Who is your pick? Um, I wanted to go with an actor who's not a stranger to horror or horrific type scenarios. Mm-hmm. Um, he was in The Perks of Being a Wallflower. He was in Olympus Has Fallen. He was in In the Line of Fire. He was in the original season of American Horror Story. I went with Dylan McDermott. Ah, McDermott, not Mulroney. Exactly. Very good. My pick is uh, 61 now as well. He was in uh, The Red Shoe Diaries. Oh, yeah. He was in Zoolander. And he played a doctor in a movie called Playing God. His name is David Duchovny. Oh, nice. David Duchovny. He's also a established author. Yeah. Did you know that? No. Yeah, he's got like multiple degrees and has written books and stuff. Okay. Mostly about his sex addiction. Yeah, yeah, well, he likes to talk about that a lot. Uh, who is your pick for Nurse Nancy, played by Jo Beth Williams? Let's see. She was 35 at the time. Yep. I went with a 36-year-old actress. Again, kind of thinking about the mom vibes. Mm-hmm. Um, she was in The Wolf of Wall Street. She was in the TV series Fire Girl. Mm-hmm. She was in Made for Love, as well as Palm Springs. Yes. I went with Kristen Milotti. Yeah. Okay. I could totally see her as the nurse in this. That that would be good. Hello, nurse. Yeah, she would bring um she would bring some flair to it for sure. My actress is 35 now as well. She was in No Good Deed. She was in a couple of the Captain America movies, and she's in The Ring 2. Her name is Emily Van Camp. Yes. Emily Van Camp. And in this picture, she's wearing a nurse's uniform. (laughs) She is. (laughs) All right. Next, we've got Stevie G, the Goots, playing Stephen Klein. And uh, he was 25 at the time. Who did you go with for this, sir? Um, I'm with a 25-year-old actor who was in uh, Dimension 404. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows that one. <laughs> Another movie with four and zero in the title. He was in This Is 40. Uh-huh. He was in... The Go- 40-Year-Old Virgin? Oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> he was in Goosebumps. Yeah. And he was in Super 8. His name's Ryan Lee. Okay. Ryan I don't know him, but I do Lee. like that movie, Super 8. Yep. 
I like that a lot. Was that Abrams? Did J.J. Abrams do that? Uh, yes, it was. All right, cool. All right, well, my pick for the Goots is uh, 25 now as well. He was in Good Luck Chuck, Things We Lost in the Fire, and Alien vs. Predator Requiem. Whoa. His name is Liam James. Okay. Liam James. For no particular reason. He just kind of has a Goot quality. The creepiest thing with Goots in this movie was when he went to the farmer's family and lived in the basement with them and they let him in. The girl who was losing her, the young girl who was losing her mind because her boyfriend had passed away. Of course. Was hallucinating seeing Goots as her boyfriend and Mm. like tried to mount him. And he just went with it. In the basement with the family. (laughs) No, he did not just go with it, but he was, but it was in the basement with the whole family. And then she left and like went out in the radiated atmosphere Uh It's like, everything's fine. Everything's fine. And she's stepping on dead birds as Mm. she's saying this. And Goots is like, it's not fine. Everything's not fine. (laughs) The kids are not all right. Johnny Lithgow, who was 38, playing Joe Huxley. Huxley. Do you think that was a choice? To like Aldous Huxley? Yeah. Maybe. I mean, he was the professor, the scientist Mm -hmm. at at, uh, Kansas University trying to get a grip on what was going on. And John Lithgow was 38. Who was your pick for this? Um, I went with a 55-year-old actor. Wow. Yeah. Um, he's been in uh, Just Like Heaven, Reindeer Games, uh-huh. Blade. Yes. He was in The Tao of Steve, which I made you and Chelsea watch. I went with Donald Loge. Donald Loge, yes. Not to be confused with Robert Loggia. Loggia. All right. Well, my uh, wait, remind me what The Tao of Steve is. It's this fat schlub of a guy who had to go back to his high school reunion, and he kind of had this idea that if you emulate Steve McQueen, you're the you're just the king of cool. Oh, I think I do remember. It was our this. Steve McQueen episode. Yeah. Okay. All right. My go go Lithgow is 37 now. He was in The Crimson Room, Blame, and all three of the Fear Streets. Oh. Uh, his name is Ashley Zuckerman. Ashley Zuckerman. Okay. And he's got a five head. Yeah, he almost is... he almost looks like the uh the mayhem guy in that picture. Oh really? You think so? Well, in the picture, but mm, I definitely no, I don't think so. I think the five head definitely matches up with Lithgow's. Mm-hmm. All right. So somebody was hinting recently at for a um reboot or a, a revival of Third Rock from the Sun. Yeah. Did you watch that? Um if Jordy, if Jordy Gordy Levi's would Joey agree Gordy to, Levi's, if he would agree to do it, uh, and yeah. Jane Curtin and John Lithgow and French Stewart, but what about the girl? What's what's her name? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's like what what is she doing? They now? write her out of the show <laughs> <laughs> and just get um, Anna Klumski. Oh, <laughs> yes. I'd watch that. Yeah, and she does look similar to her. Phenotypes, man. All right, so final thoughts on The Day After? Nah, it doesn't age well. It's not as good as The Day After Tomorrow. Oh, God, (laughs) jeez. Well, obviously that was inspired by this whole Uh business. All right, so we don't have a final bonus segment, um, but I do want to thank you, Sean, for doing all that you do each week, being um, the producer and co-host of the show. And is there anything you want to plug, sir? 
Mm, no. No plugs for you. Do you know what next week's episode yes. is? Yes. What is it? Edward G. Robinson movies. Huh? Yeah, see? <laughs> and so I do have a sneak preview, question and answer, for this upcoming week's final week of trivia for this season. Nice. Season 10, week 12. Question. Robinson died just two weeks after completing filming on his on this 1975 dystopian sci-fi. Soylent Green. Soylent Green is people, and that's correct. <laughs> All right, so that is your sneak preview question and answer for this upcoming ultimate episode of Right Answers with Wrong Travis. And we want to plug the podcast itself. Please rate review and subscribe to us on all of your podcatcher apps you can find us online on podbean.com we're cinema chop shop on there we are at cinema chop shop on twitter we are cinema chop shop on facebook we are cinema chop shop at gmail.com if you want to email us about upcoming live performances <laughs> we are at cinema chop shop on instagram the beers will be checked in on untapped just the bush light u-n-t-a-p-p-d we are cinema chop shop on there and an audio version of this will be on youtube we are cinema chop shop podcast on youtube and does that about wrap it up i think we're done all right we want to say thank you to you the listeners don't forget to get that vax otherwise social distance and wear a mask and please remember to watch, watch chop, chop retrofit, retrofit.